Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. This is a podcast where I am blending the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, faith, and trauma. If there is a topic that most people say we're not supposed to talk about, I'm talking about it because that is how we heal. We don't heal in silence, we heal by speaking out. Hello everyone. Today I am here with my sister, Sojourner, Natalie Gutierrez, and we're talking about her book, The Pain We Carry. And Natalie, if you will, just kind of introduce yourself and state your identities to our listeners. Yeah, Tasha, thank you for having me here. And I'm glad to finally be doing this with you and always grateful to commune with you, I have to say. So thank you for having me. I'm Natalie Gutierrez. Uh, I'm a Boricua psychotherapist, space holder, uh, cisgender woman, mom of two, neurodiverse by way of ADHD. I live, I currently live in an able body, average size. And even though I identify as Latine and Boricua, I walk the world in lighter skin and I benefit from that, from that, that advantage. Professionally, I've been a space holder. Well, actually, arguably, I was going to say 15 years, but that's like after academically, I've I've been a space holder my whole life. (laughs) As a parentified child, as a survivor, many kinds of trauma. I was born and raised in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, which is not the Lower East Side that I recognize today. The Lower East Side of Manhattan in New York is super gentrified. That is not the LES that I grew up in. Um, I grew up in the New York City Housing Authority in the Lower East Side, the Brood Projects. These are called the, the, the Illis Borough, the Sixth Borough. And I grew there, I grew up there for like 17 years before my parents got divorced. Uh, when I was like 17 and then we moved to the Bronx, the Boogie Down Bronx, and I lived there until I don't know when. And then I just started moving around. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really just glad to be here. So grateful to be having this conversation with you. I want to start at the beginning of your book. Mm-hmm. And uh or you say your your dedication, you say it to my inner seven-year-old and and just including her in this and you, you you thank her. And then at the end of your book, you come back full circle. You return mm-hmm. back to your seven-year-old at the end. And then you write the words that your ancestors once told your seven-year-old, embrace what they taught you to hate about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I love that you started with her and then you finished with her and this reminder to embrace what they taught you to hate about yourself. And so today, August the 4th at noon Eastern, what are you embracing about yourself today? Mm. All of my imperfections, all 
all uh, I'm embracing my stumble. I'm embracing what I know that I don't know that I'm still learning. I'm embracing being human and and making mistakes. I'm embracing my accent that I used to disguise for a really long time. I always used to try to, you know, speak white, whatever that meant. It was like whiteness was always synonymous with educated. And it's so colonial, right? <laughs> it's so like that message, that learning is so entrenched with white supremacy culture and colonial trauma. And so like there, so for a long time, I used to try to hide my accent. I used to straighten my hair. And not that there's something wrong with straightening your, straightening your hair when it's by choice, right? But it was never a choice for me. I always felt like I needed to do it to be pretty. I needed to do it. I had to always straighten my hair. My hair couldn't be my natural hair. It always had to be straight. And I see a lot of my family even here on the island now, because right now I'm in I'm in um, Puerto Rico, that there are a lot of my, like my family still does it. My family, everyone has curly hair, but no one, no one has it except for me because everyone straightens their hair. Um, and again, their choice, right? But but is it is it really their choice or is it coming from like, them not feeling good about themselves because of the messages that society has fed them. Um, I, I'm just really, Tasha, I'm on this journey of really embracing all of who I am, really leaning into what I need to improve on, really leaning into my gifts because I, I've, even felt fear of embracing my gifts. I've even felt fear about like embracing what I know and embracing my medicine because I've been taught not to take up space. I've been taught like when I do take up space and I'm either being conceited or I'm being um, just whatever. I'm like being a know-it-all and whatever. Like it was just like anything you do is just never good enough. <laughs> so, so right now I'm just embracing what it is that I want to do, what it is that I want to do, what feels most authentic to me, what feels most authentic to who I am, and and fuck all the rest, and fuck all the rest. It makes me think about, um, I posted this recently, I, I went to this this retreat at Dharmakaya, and so I met this wonderful, beautiful queer woman named Judy, <clears throat> and she's Asian American, and she said before there was colonization, there was love. Mm. And as you were speaking, I had this image of us before colonization, loving our hair, loving our skin, loving our language, mm-hmm. loving our culture, mm-hmm. loving our bodies. Mm-hmm. Because when colonization came, it took everything that was good, that was holy, away from us then we knew self-hatred because they hated us and they taught us to hate ourselves yeah so it's like I just imagine you speaking to your seven-year-old saying we're back (laughs) we're coming back home yeah Yeah. we're returning back to love right 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 and that feels so important to me. Love feels so important to me because it feels 
you said the word holy, right? This feels like holy, sacred medicine to me. Mm. Love feels like that because that is everything that you said. Like that is when all this trauma has happened from like in all in our ancestral ancestral lineages and and in the larger culture, when all of this pain and violence is put on you, is put upon you, it happens to you. It really erodes love. And like everything you're saying, like it, it, the love of self yeah. and love of community, love of each other. And, and I think, you know, I could see in my, in, in just around me, so many people struggle with loving. So many people, I've recently posted about this, like so many people struggle with receiving love. We struggle with receiving love. And maybe part of it is because we feel like we don't deserve love or parts of us feel like we don't deserve love. But then we also struggle a little bit giving love. But I think I'll speak for myself. I, I'm pretty good at giving love. It's harder for me now, I'll say now, um, but it's harder for me to receive love because I think there's still parts of me that feel like I'm not worthy enough to receive love, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's that's part of my continued healing journey. But it really is about that. Like I, I really... I really like want to love like before I die I want to like be on my on my deathbed and just say I don't have any regrets because I loved hard even for the haters (laughs) even for the people that didn't appreciate me that didn't love me back it's okay right like I'm not loving you for you I'm loving you like because that's who I am and I'm not gonna shape shift for you I'm just gonna be like I just want to be I just feel like my whole entire life I've been and fond and been with other people to do be silent be the good girl be da, 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 da. now I'm like no fuck all of it I'm gonna like come I want to be a hundred like I want to come you're gonna see me you what you see is what you get you don't like it that's fine I'm still gonna be me and if you like it that's fine too but I, I just really want to love and I really want to like reclaim my deep, deep, deep sense of love of self. And I, and I really want to also like love people deeply. The pe- yeah, I want to love everyone, but not everyone is going to receive my closeness of love, <laughs> right? But I want to really reclaim that deep sense of love within me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was so beautiful. And it answered my next question. Because as I was hearing, I was also wondering, like, what have you learned about yourself that you couldn't have known without healing from your own deep and personal, you know, trauma, Mm -hmm. without going through those experiences, but what you said, the word reclaim, you're reclaiming that you can receive love, that you can, you can love and be loved in a realistic yeah. place, right? And and take take that in, take in the goodness, take in the gifts. Right. We both have experiences of knowing that that wasn't always safe. Mm-hmm. People right. say love you all the time and then it comes with other things. Expectations or, you know, it's conditions. It's, it's love with conditions. It's love. Yes. And it ends up, betraying there's always that betrayal that comes 
after. And so I think for me, with that question, I think I it really shed light on like my fear of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm vulnerable, you know, something bad is gonna happen. <laughs> well, and and that could be from a range of many different things. Um, people are just generally not gonna accept my vulnerability because they don't accept their own. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it's it's been such a journey, really feeling comfortable being vulnerable. And, you know, worried about what people are going to think of me. Did I share too much? Is it, am I, do I look stupid after I share this? You know, um, I want to feel, and I want to be perceived as powerful, but vulnerability has not been linked with power, right? It's been linked with weakness. And so it's, we have somehow been conditioned to like, when we're vulnerable with people, like what we're doing right now, that that's seen as like lame, as weak, whatever. Um, and I'm reclaiming that because for me, that's, that's where the power is. That's where the power is. Cause I don't have to, I don't have to fake shit. I don't have to, you know, armor up. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I can be vulnerable with everyone because not everyone in the world is safe. Right. But like for a long time, I've been closing out everybody. I closed out everyone. And then I wasn't receiving the love and I wasn't receiving what I needed, right? And so now it's like, I'm going to just be me (laughs) and be vulnerable. And I'm just going to learn if you're a safe person or not. And you're going to go in the category that you're going to go in and I'm going to keep it moving. That's it. I didn't know I was going to ask this question, but but the conversation around vulnerability. And again, going back to your seven-year-old, um, there was so much resonance there because right in your dedication, right after you thank your inner seven-year-old, then you say to my rage, I hear you, you make sense, you are welcomed here. Mm-hmm. So I had this um, this thought that like, if I am vulnerable with you and you take my innocence, you take my vulnerability, the next thing that comes is my rage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. if you misuse you know take my kindness for weakness if you in any way yeah <laughs> if you abuse my vulnerability you're gonna get my rage and and she gets to be here too yes I couldn't right. have known my seven-year-old didn't know rage wasn't anger rage wasn't accepted ever right now oh they are beautiful parts mm-hmm. I, I understand them yeah. yeah. That rage is like, fuck around and find out. Fuck around <laughs> and find out. <laughs> oh, like I tried to give you vulnerability and softness and like, you know, meet you where you're at and all of <laughs> Oh, you don't want that. So right. Just, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Which makes me want to, I've, I've been meaning to read Eloquent Rage by, I think it's Brittany Cooper. Mm, so, I haven't read it. It's been on my bookshelf. I kind of want to open that up and see what she has to say about rage. But yeah. I'm going to have to get it. Yeah. And so I also want to talk about this soul work, this ancestral work that we're doing. In this season of your life, what kind of soul work or what ancestral work is calling you? What does that look like today? Oof. I don't even know if I have all the words because it feels 
so embodied. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, it feels, let me see if I can put words. It feels like, it almost feels like a quaking is happening inside. It feels like a, like, like a, just a breaking, like this shit, like the, like the, like there's a, an earthquake that's happening inside and, and like the tectonic plates are shifting and, and new earth is rising. Like it feels like, I don't know, it feels like I've been doing this work for my whole life, maybe even lifetimes. And it feels, I'm, it feels like right now I'm being called to steward the land. Like it feels like right now I'm being called to care for and love and be in relationship and commune with the earth and the land. Like I'm being, I don't know how to like, there are so many things, Tasha, I do not know how to fucking do. I don't know how to grow. I don't know how to keep plants alive. I kill them all. Like I just, <laughs> and I'm being called to plant trees. I am being called to grow things and flowers and learn to communicate and, and learn to be more gentle with the earth. I'm being called to do that so deeply. I'm being called to eat from the earth and grow my own food. I'm being called to fight to fight for the land. Um, you know, right, right now I'm in, I'm in Puerto Rico and, and part of the, and I'm moving next year. Right. And so part of the many, many, many reasons this isn't just one, but one of, one of the reasons why I'm coming here is because I'm coming here to fight and reclaim some of the land because right. The U S government is selling a lot of the land to white people because of the tax breaks and all that shit. And I'm coming here, I'm being called to come here and learn the life of my ancestors, to learn to farm. I'm, I'm being called to fight for the land. I'm being called to grow the land, to grow from the land. I'm being called to really deeply embody and learn earth-based medicine. Mm. Like that is it. That is, if, if that were, those were the words, that is, that is it. I'm also being called to reclaim, you know, my lineage of curanderismo and, and, you know, what folks now refer to as like the archetype of the medicine woman. Like I, I am being called to spiritually awaken mm -hmm. and again, to really commune with the earth, to commune with the elements and, and soul energy and to see the spirit in other things besides human beings. It's like really, really groundbreaking for me because this isn't in any way like this for me was like woo woo stuff back then. I was the one who'd be like, that's so woo woo. And now I'm being called to really be in it and to really embody it and embrace it. And it just feels like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. I so feel that even in myself. Mm. Um, there's this urging this. Come on, <laughs> we, we, we got to do the work. Come on, you know, and, and never before, I don't know if this is true for you. You got to tell me intuition is stronger. than. Mm. Yep. Yep. But my intuition is guiding yep. the work, yep. the medicine, the, the, the communing with nature. 
the relationships, love, like, like it, it feels like a, come on, you know, let's, let's return back. Let's, let's go again, the coming home, a homecoming. Yes. But things feel, it, there's an urging behind it to just yep. stay connected to the source. Yeah. Yeah. Does that, are you, so is that kind of what you're feeling too? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Like, you know, when you're getting a message, you know, to trust it, right. When you're getting like an energetic something, you know, to trust it. Cause you know, you just know to trust it. <laughs> you just know to yeah. trust it. Yeah. yeah. Is that what you're feeling too? I am. I am. I too, I have three plants. Two of them are just on life support. <laughs> but never before in my life until now, like I'm in this season of wanting to sustain life, wanting to be surrounded by living beings. Yes. And that includes plants. Yeah. It includes animals. That includes the medicines that just indigenous practices, mm-hmm. indigenous work, mm-hmm. getting away from the medical model. Mm-hmm. And being more heart rated. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It feels like spirit, yes. like ancestral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's part of like, like right now, it feels like I'm also trying to deprogram so many things, like deprogram all that I've been conditioned to believe. Even to, I don't know if this is TMI, but. <laughs> Never. <laughs> <even> to, <laughs> Even when it comes to, you know, menstrual bleeding, Mm -hmm. because, you know, you learn about your menses and you learn like, oh, it's so bad. It's so nasty. And and that's how I've learned. I've learned to like date my period. And it just like I get a lot of pain when I get my period. Right. You know, that I've shared that with you before. Like I just get I'm out of commission. It just doesn't I'm not well. Um, And I've been taught to hate my blood. Right. But now I'm actually, I'm actually been, I'm actually moving toward um, offering my blood, like offering my blood to the earth, offering my blood, whether it's to the ocean, whether it's to the trees, right? Like offering that because at one point, like our ancestors knew that that was like, a beautiful thing. There was nothing bad about that. We made it bad here. We made it disgusting here. But I was taught to find it disgusting. Yeah. And I'm still working through that. I'm still deprogramming. I'm still unlearning. Yeah. 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 There's so much patriarchy in that. Um, And I want to go back a little bit to also before, before I actually ask the next question, have you read women who run women who run with the wolves by I have not. Everyone is always recommending it to me. And I'm like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And then it's like, whoop, super distracted. <laughs> yeah. I have been wanting to read that book. I heard, I heard it was great. Well, I'm curious what you have it's, to say about it. It is. It is. Uh, everything that you're speaking of, you're going to see yourself. You're going to feel yourself in, in Dr. Uh, Clarissa Pincola's this, um, in, in her work. It's a lot to read. You, you take it page by page, little bit by little bit, just if it takes you a couple of years to read it, just, yeah, you can't gulp it. You got it. You got to sip it. You just got to, mm. because her words are holy. Yeah. Dr. Um, 
Maya Angelou wrote one of the back cop, one of the blurbs for her book, yeah. which I thought was really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Not, I, I really, really, really need to get it. <laughs> I really, really, yeah. really need to get it. Take, take your time with it, though. It's, it's a lot to, to digest. And, and again, just going back to ancestral or indigenous practices and women and the various archetypes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's up your yeah. You're you're, you're gonna feel yourself in 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 that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I want to read it. I'm gonna um, read it. And on page seventy four, you have a journal practice in your book, and you say, um, "What is the the exercises? What is my truest I am?" Mm -hmm. That's the question for you. Is what is your truest I am. Ooh. And Tasha, I, I wanna I'm gonna ask you the same too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but to sharing. Yes. Um, I'm still becoming, I'm still learning about myself. So I just wanna sh I, I wanna share here that even even what I share here is there's still so many things about me that I'm still learning. But I feel like at my core, like I'm super playful. I am love. Like I really, I really see goodness in people, like genuinely. Like I really feel like there's a place within that hasn't been touched with all the outside trauma that I've had to endure. Like I feel like I I I could see goodness in people genuinely. Um and I try to hide that part because that part, you know, can get really hurt, right? because yeah. it's just being good and it, and it, and it doesn't discern when, or should I say the shadows of folks? Mm -hmm. um, and when folks can, yeah, when folks are just not trustworthy. Um, I, I'm cranky, <laughs> I'm cranky. Um, I'm quirky, I'm nerdy, I'm sometimes socially awkward. Um, I'm open, I'm open, I'm introverted, I'm, I'm gentle, I'm soft, I'm also wild, um, I'm a roller coaster, I'm, I'm a firecracker. Um, I'm playful. I don't know if I shared that already, but I'm, I'm very playful. Uh, I'm hyper, I'm calm. I'm definitely a contradiction. <laughs> I'm, I'm adventurous. I'm kind. I'm bitchy. Wow. I want it. I love it. Yeah. 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 Mm. What about you, Tasha? Ooh, I feel like I should have did my homework. What, what, <laughs> what is my truest I am? What, what comes up immediately is I am a lover. Mm. Love for me is everything. It is for me the beginning and the end of all things. Mm. And even when I'm not so loving, somewhere inside of me, I am unloving because I love so hard. Mm. 
and I want my love to be reciprocated and respected. I am an intellectual and I'm intellectual about me. I'm really into me. I know me. I spend a lot of time in my head. So I'm, I study me. I think a lot about me. <laughs> so much so that nobody can tell me about me because I know so damn much about <laughs> Spend a lot of time from childhood just in my head, you know, and I am, I feel at times very simple. At times I know that I am complex. Mm-hmm. A total contradiction. I don't eat most meat, but I will eat the hell out of some other processed foods. <laughs> you know, having to buy certain things organic, but my favorite dessert comes from the gas station. It's a cake. From the gas station. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so I am like a walking contradiction. Um, I am passionate. I am, I am a loud I'm, I like to laugh, like loud, like full body. Um, I am clear. Mm. My no is a no. My yes is a yes. I'm very definitive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I have moments where I don't know a damn thing and I'm unsure about everything. And I think that, and I, and you know, I'm just going back. I, I am super passionate about people, about topics. I can get angry just talking about things that literally don't have anything to do with me. <laughs> but I, I'm really passionate about things and I am still evolving. I'm intuitive. And my little girl, Tasha, mm. shout out to her. I am still her and she is still me. Mm. Mm, that was so. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So um, another thing in your book is you write about coming from a family of spiritual healers. And first of all, how beautiful. Um, And you recently hosted a retreat. I will, if you ever do the next one, I will be at the next one. May 1st. (laughs) May 1st. Maybe you did tell me that. May 1st. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No pressure, Tasha. <laughs> oh, no pressure. I'm there. Being in a group, communing with other women, getting healed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this, this returning, could you talk a little bit about coming from a family of spiritual healers and what that means to you and even what that looked like, you know, prior generation? What was that? Yeah. You know, my family comes I mean, this is from my father. I mean, I'm sure from my mom's side too, because my mom has that gift, mm-hmm. but I think she's afraid of it. So she kind of pushes it down and, and, and uh, disguises it with the church. Like she just does her thing, you know, with the church. But my father's mother and mother's mother, 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 they were all curanderas. They were all medicine women. They were all healers and they would heal with their hands. And so the stories, I remember going to this, what back then when I was a kid, it was like a creepy house for me, but (laughs) it was a, you know, it was a house that uh, in the mountains in Puerto Rico, 
where my great grandmother at the time would heal the sick. She would come in, she would make medicine for the sick and she would do prayers for the sick and, um, and like just do her thing. Uh, she was an espiritista, so she would also talk to spirits mm-hmm. and um, to the unseen. And she was a healer and she was known in her community as a healer. And then when my grandmother um, was born, she also had the ability to do it, but she didn't. She chose not to because she was afraid because she would see, you know, the uh, the unseen and she became afraid. And so a lot of folks turned to the church. And so I would say a lot of my family is religious. I think I'm probably the only one that is not um, at all. And um, then, you know, my aunts were, you know, my aunts came along, they were born, my dad, my uncle, and all who have that same gift of seeing folks in the spirit world, but they're afraid of it. So they do things like use substances to try to get it to go away or to feel more comfortable with it, but they, Everyone runs from the medicine. Everyone runs from that, but it's still there innate within them. So um, I'm being called to not run from it. And my mom, when I was a kid, she used to take me to um, um, Santeros, right? Santeros from Santeria. She used to take me to Babalaos. Uh, because a lot of my family, well, when they used to practice, were uh, practicing from the Yoruba tradition, the Ifa tradition. And um, my mom would take me to um, Baba Laos, and everyone would say, like, she has the gift, and my mom has the gift, but we're so afraid of it. Stop being afraid of it. Like, you can do this. You can do this work. You're meant to do this work. You're meant to do to, to be a Santera, you're meant to do this work. We're always like, no, we're scared, we're scared. And plus, you know, san, Santero and Santerismo um, or Santeria was demonized, right, by the church. Everything was like, that's the devil's work. That's the devil's work, right? When you think of like... And Haitian, Yeah, right, 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 right. So... Um, this has been my path. We've just been afraid of it for so long. And it was until maybe uh, five, six years ago that I started to embrace it, that I started to lean in more into it when I just couldn't stop. When it just was like, when it was like, I would see people and then it was like, you know, the unseen folks, spirits from the spirit world, I would see. And then it would be like, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to tell me? And I just kept having like this pull of like, I need to go see, I need to go lean in. I need to, the spirit world is calling me to embrace my medicine. And I don't even know what my medicine is because I've been taught to diminish it. And I've been taught to like not do anything about it and not acknowledge it. So I'm like, I don't know what I'm getting into, <laughs> um, but fuck it, <laughs> whatever. This is where my adventurous side gets in and you just say, okay, I'm going to just listen to the call because there's, what's the, op- what's the other option that I live detached for the rest of my life? 
and then I let, so I can't do that. I won't do that. And so then that's become about me embracing and trying to reclaim and meeting teachers along the way that have taught me, that have embraced me, that have helped me. And that's how my path has been. So I'm hoping that my family can see me and see that it's okay. I don't know if they'll get there in this lifetime, but. I hope they do too, but you'll get free and your children will get free. Mm -hmm. Children will be free. I kept hearing African spirituality, African traditional spirituality, and you were naming it. And I was like, oh my word. (laughs) I just had an experience, an experience and a conversation recently. And I said, this gift that I have, I don't, I don't know why I was given the gift. Mm. Talk about that more after this, but but I am leaning into whatever the ancestors, there's a reason why they've passed it on to me. I'm here to do the work. Like, yeah, put me in coach. I got it. (laughs) (laughs) I got it. I don't know what I'm doing, but I just keep listening for the what next. Mm. Mm. Just do you ever feel afraid? All the time, especially when the gift is strongest. Mm. I even um, met with someone, a priestess, and I said, can I give the gift back? <laughs> and I was told no. <laughs> I can't give it back. I can, I can decide <laughs> not to use it. Mm-hmm. I can decide to ignore it. But I can also ask for help. Mm. Mm. I don't have to carry it on my own. I can ask for help and how to be the medicine, basically. And so that's the energy that I'm walking in is that I don't have to walk alone in any regard. I get to ask for help. I don't have to be afraid of it because it comes from the source. It comes from love. And I think that's also the gift of not being tied to any religion. Yeah, I'm afraid of it. And I want more and more and more. Mm. Yeah. So um, this, this interview has been really a gift to me to me you are a gift to me i just have to say you are a gift you're my gift yes thank you thank you thank you um for listeners that want to get your book that want to find out more about you that want to support your work how can they support your work if you're going to get the book i definitely want to encourage folks to get the book from small business, right? Especially black and brown owned, uh, queer owned bookstores. That is meaningful to me because of the, uh, I want to say the the topic of the book, but because of the purpose of the book, (laughs) right? It's to, it's to put the money, um, in our communities. So, I would encourage folks to do that. And if that is not accessible to them, then I would uh, I would um, ask to go through my publisher or, you know, or wherever else, right? Um, and then I can be found in terms of social media, I can be found on Instagram. I, I have a TikTok, but it's super boring. I just make my, my TikTok videos for Instagram. <laughs> so it's like, don't bother. Um, you can follow me on Instagram 
at my handle is at Natalie Gutierrez LMFT. And um, I have a link tree page that has uh, just all my offerings on there, including my email lists. If folks want to just stay in touch um, and learn more about my offerings when they come out. And then I'm in the process of transforming in the process of transforming externally, I'm also changing my website. So I'm, I'm eventually taking down the website that I have. And um, a new website is on the horizon. It's just natalieygutierrez.com. Uh, our interview, our first one where you um, allowed me to interview you for Kathy Con Libros. Yes, I love, uh, I love that. Yeah. I love that, that time was, together. Yeah, so that, that was, such a beautiful conversation that will be linked in our show notes as well, as well as all of Natalie's information, where to get her book, all of that. And um, it's just a pleasure. And I just love you. I love you, Sasha, my sister. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to When We Speak. Follow me on Instagram at Tasha Hunter LCSW. If you haven't done so yet, please rate, review, and follow me on iTunes and share it on your social media. If you want a copy of my book, What Children Remember, it is available on Amazon. Until next time.